0: Welcome into Loserville folks, your uh, faithful host Philip Kingston here in Dallas, in person with the great Tyler Wade.
1: Happy to be here, Dallas literally Loserville this week after the Cowboys found out of the playoffs.
0: I had the most interesting talk today with a guy who is a lifelong Cowboys fan who has through a work deal literally has two tickets to a nice suite for every home game and has not gone all season and his uh, his stated reason is very similar to one that I kind of have as well it's just he doesn't like Jerry Jones and he's not talking about oh, Jerry Jones, the owner, should fire Jerry Jones, the general manager, or any of that stuff. Which he should. He should. I mean, that's the football reasons for disliking Jerry. You know, I get that. Um, But also, it's his toy, and, you know, that's kind of pointless. No, it's it's all of the creepy things Jerry does otherwise. And I'm not talking about having kids out of wedlock. I'm talking about, you know, insulting... Uh, black players who wanted to recognize that George Floyd had been murdered, you know, and um, and it, it, this goes back a little ways, but, you know, hiring players who have horrible records on the treatment of women, um, you know, and then I, I I remember I was serving on the city council with uh, Jennifer Stahlback Gates um, when he, 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 hired as free agents, two different guys who had pretty credible allegations of violent conduct against women. And she was serving as our the chair of our domestic violence task force and is the you know daughter of Captain America. Um, it was hard to understand the words that were coming out of her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it was clearly one of those things where she knew she needed to, to, to denounce what had gone on, but she's not really in a position to be super critical there. of the Cowboys. Yeah. So I don't know. I I guess some people could say that's stupid, but I like this is the hardest thing as a lifelong Cowboys fan to watch is that, like when the George Floyd stuff was happening, and by stuff I mean the reaction to the murder, um, so many athletes, um, particularly athletes of color, were were affected by that and wanted to make some kind of statement, and. The, the team in the NFC East that did the worst job of it, of handling, well, I don't know, it's neck and neck between the Washington Kingers? and the Cowboys. Yeah. And, uh, the, and the best was the Eagles. And, you know, the Eagles are actually pretty fucking good now and they treat their players better and they don't have all this crazy um, Trump-supporting baggage um, and, and Herschel Walker-supporting baggage. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm still an NFL fan, but I am not a Cowboys fan. It's
1: a rough, rough week for Dallas sites to be sad. Big day today, though. Dan Quinn uh, with the defensive coordinator not leaving to take a head coach. I thought job. that was
0: so interesting, didn't you?
1: Did you didn't find it interesting? Uh, he said that he wants to win a championship in Dallas, which I guess means he may retire or die uh, in Dallas. Or does that mean he's the next head coach and it's not Sean Payton? could be there in waiting, right? That could be maybe the the agreement they had made. But I don't know. Apparently, uh, the other thing I said – well, I was laughing because they were like – the quote from Mike McCarthy's press conference today was that he and Jerry have a relationship as good as uh, Jerry and Tom Landry. And I was like, Jerry (laughs) (laughs) – He said that? We've got a great relationship. It's like, yeah, Jerry and Tom Landry. And I was like, "Uh, I (laughs) –
0: Sometimes Mike McCarthy <laughs> says stuff that's unintentionally funny, but other times, I, I mean, that sounds like he he may have been making a joke. a little gallows humor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're just symbiotic. Uh, I was like, nah, uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like the one, you know, with the exception of Diggs, the one thing that didn't let them down was the defense. I would think that Quinn's stock would be as high as it's ever, ever been. been.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, defense was great uh but Dak
0: rough very rough uh i um you know i i have kind of a contrary opinion on Dak also like he, he came in with Zeke and they you know the media instantly framed them as the you know the 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 mature beyond his years leader and the meathead who's grabbing girls' breasts on Greenbolt. Now, Zeke obviously gave him some ammunition, but it, isn't Dak the one who threw the party during COVID? He'd have a, yeah,
1: and wouldn't answer the question uh, about, about... whether, whether he'd been vaccinated? FERPA. and no, no, yeah, it was not FERPA. He, HIPAA. HIPAA. A HIPAA, yeah, HIPAA. A HIPAA. HIPAA. HIPAA question. Yeah. FERPA what I deal with in yeah. the education land.
0: Yeah, it, it's, yeah, every time the federal government tries to codify privacy rights, they fuck it up somehow. <laughs> Um but yeah, yeah, I mean I don't know that there's a huge body of evidence that says Dak is like the more responsible mature one. Um, I don't know. That's just that's just me. I'm just like not buying the instant media narrative that was thrown up around him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. People don't come to Loserville for cowboy talk though.
0: No, they don't. And even though, honestly, they would they they would get stuff that isn't sanitized through the normal sports media normal channels stuff. Yeah, That's yeah I mean, people people think the freak tells it like it is. I'll tell you what, <laughs> we'll we'll go toe to toe. Still,
1: England, I know you poofooed it. If they want us on, you know, Saturday or Sunday morning, you know, show. I mean, we could take Loserville, DFWY.
0: I would do that. I would also. I could go down a rabbit hole of doing like a uh employment law uh sports show like instead of talking about sports at all we'll just talk about like people's contracts and how they're treated there you and go. Lab- would love labor that. issues
1: people would love that in <laughs> the nfl awful at the players union is the worst uh they advocate for nothing um and they get i would constantly
0: I You can look at a lot of glaring stuff there, but I would say that nobody claims the bottom spot more than the uh, MLB Players Association. And that simply is, I mean, the, 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 the QED to that argument is MLB players take home so much less of their league's revenue than, other, than players in other and major sports leagues. That union is...
1: And yet get paid more than football players.
0: But they should is yeah. the thing. That's yeah. that. I mean, that's the thing. Is like they should actually get paid more. Yeah. And they. But what they ought to be fighting for is a bigger chunk of that pie gets distributed to players that are bouncing back and forth between the minors and the, that and the are majors.
1: Not yeah. Uh enough, uh, enough sports talk.
0: For <laughs> oh, actually, we're going to come back to sports. Oh, so well, there it's, you go. It's on the run list. People
1: say stick to sports. That's what we're going to do.
0: It's more going to be sports venues, but yeah, we're coming back.
1: Oh, so we want to start with uh, with the big news, which had kind of been, if folks read the tea leaves around City Hall, coming percolating for some time. Uh, Dallas City Attorney Chris Queso retiring effective February 28th.
0: Well, um, I thought Everton Bailey did a nice job of handling this story and whoever their headline writer was. And I have no idea who's editing Everton right now, so I don't know who to thank for this. But they they pointed out immediately that he retired immediately before his performance Performance review, review. Which tells you what you need to know. Which
1: had supposed to happen in August, right? And then got kicked down to January 11th. And then council voted again to move it to January 25th.
0: was originally supposed to happen in May or June. May or June. So we just
1: kicked it down a couple of times. Case it was the city attorney since 2020, officially, though had been in that role in an interim capacity since 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously, we've talked about it a lot on the show. City attorney's office had come under fire for um, what uh, folks that are legally trained, not me, but Philip would probably... uh, claim to be really bad legal advice, particularly around uh, the criminalization of panhandling, uh, poker rooms and their attempt to you know, um, be able to m- more tightly regulate sexually oriented businesses as well as the continually kicking the can down the road of the short-term rental questions. Um,
0: and a council member reminded me of another one today. <clears throat> You, I don't think you were here yet. So you may not know the story of Rusty the dog.
1: No, I don't think I'm familiar with this.
0: Rusty the dog was alleged to have bitten someone as he was being picked up by Dallas Animal Services. And so he was placed in the bite protocol. And according to the vets who evaluate the animals who are in the bite bite protocol, Rusty was deemed non-adoptable and sentenced to death. Um, there arose a hue and cry because animal people hate it when you sentence animals to death. Um, understandably so. We're not making fun of animal people on this show. Um, and uh, Rusty, there was, there quickly formed a committee to rescue Rusty, led by my friend Ashken Mariari, a brilliant criminal defense lawyer who went, who swung into action to. <laughs> They get Rusty off of Jethro and uh, so uh, this council member reminded me that he had uh, received a legal briefing privately from uh, uh, Chris Caso In the presence of another council member. So this story has been corroborated and um Chris said that he was just going to present the law to council and they could do whatever they wanted with it Whatever happened to Rusty. He didn't have an opinion And they went into the executive session, and according to my source, Chris suddenly had a very strong opinion that Rusty must be put to death. Um, This all stems from the state law in Texas governing dangerous animals and its antiquated state, um, and its sort of lack of regard for it's treatment of the the death of the animal is sort of inconsequential as like not, not
1: in Texas. I don't think that would happen in Texas, Philip, that we would treat human life as inconsequential. That
0: well, and it all depends (laughs) on what you're talking about, because the minute this starts to get applied to like a horse, yeah, all the calculus changes. So, so anyway, Rusty, the dog ultimately was rescued and went to some farm that it specializes in taking care of, animals that have been in the bite protocol or whatever. You get and, two bites, right? Uh, not always. Oh, not always. If you're a privately owned animal, you get two bites. Oh. But Rusty was a street dog. So okay. yeah, you, you not necessarily. You if you're deemed non-adoptable, for... they're not going to try to adopt you and they're not going to waste any pet food on you. Yeah. So um, yeah, as I don't know if Rusty is still with us. This was many years ago, um, but... Uh, God bless Rusty and thank God to for brave animal people like Ashkin Mariari who would spend their valuable time fighting the city on stuff like save, this.
1: save the dog. That's, uh, that's very interesting. Well and uh, so the legal blunders, uh, and we'll talk about some in depth with the poker room conversation. Um, I guess other notes on this so the city council did name uh, the first assistant city attorney Tammy Palomino to become the interim city attorney. Um, she has worked in the city attorney's office since 2003. Um, And interesting piece that came out, I saw late today from Everton Bailey, who we mentioned, um, that it seems to be unclear uh, to some extent whether or not the city is on the hook for a separation payment after his departure, which I found hard to understand because they keep using words like retirement, which I would think if you are retiring, you are giving up your right to those sorts of, of payments. Apparently in his most recent contract he is eligible to be continue to be paid at his base pay rate every 2 weeks once he leaves his position if his exit was due to an involuntary separation there are four scenarios in the contract that fall under that category including for a resignation after a suggestion rather informal or formal or informal by a majority of the city council that he resigned but not an official action of the city council removing the city and attorney in accordance with the charter
0: well i'm I, I, I I am. I want to first say to Everton, he's the only one who went and read this shit yeah. and like tried to sort it out. Yeah. So kudos, kudos to, to, him. to him. But it's impossible for him to know what executive session actually sounds like because reporters never get to hear that. And yeah. I've sat through an unfortunate number of executive They're sessions. It's a great time, as you have, and. Uh, I can tell you that what happened here, and I don't know this because anyone told me, I just know how it works. They said, you're non-renewed, effective February 28, and then they left it at that.
1: Because he'd not been working under a contract, right? Because his contract would have His contract expired. had expired.
0: Uh, his contract has a month-to-month clause yeah. in it, so he was just under the old contract. But non-renewing it is simply non renewing it. Yeah. It it isn't termination for um, convenience. It's not termination for cause, even if the reason they're non renewing is for cause, and I guarantee you it was. <laughs> and no, I do not I do not think that Mr. Queso will be turning in a claim for pay beyond February twenty eighth and whatever accumulated vacation he has. That's beyond that.
1: He uh, did, uh, this is always worth noting, he did email the mayor and city council last week saying he would retire from his position to spend more time with his family and pursue his other interests. Those ones always make me, me laugh.
0: What is the translation for spend more time with family? Right.
1: Yeah, I was uh, given the option of yeah, not having my job. Right? No one actually wants to spend more time with their family. One time I saw it referred in an email about someone that they had decided to pursue other professional opportunities effective immediately. <laughs> <laughs> You're know, like everybody does, right? You just really today at five o'clock, I just decided, you know what? I'm going to go find another job.
0: Renee Hall's resignation letter referred to an exciting opportunity. She yeah, had has reason- that happened yet? Uh,
1: we need to find that out, what she's doing. Because I, I do remember that being uh, I, I haven't geez. really
0: paid anybody to follow or to see, but I would have assumed that it might have generated some media somewhere. I don't know.
1: Let's, uh, American police officer, no, does not say. She has her own website still.
0: God bless her.
1: Ooh, what is former Chief Renee Hall doing now? No, nothing. Doesn't come. Does <laughs> not come out. Oh, she's a Harvard uh, fellow. To the Advanced Leadership Initiative.
0: So she paid to go to Harvard for a certificate. She is a 2022
1: ALI fellow.
0: Um, I I I don't want to denigrate that program because I actually know a couple of people yeah. who've done it and they talk highly of it. I believe. Uh, Rafael Anchia has a uh, certificate from that institute.
1: Good for Renee.
0: Yeah.
1: So she's doing something apparently. Um. So yeah, we bad legal advice uh, notwithstanding, and there have been some big blunders, right? So uh, the panhandling piece, which uh, I don't know, I felt like the city they have definitely changed how they've talked about that publicly, right? For a longer time, it was well, we're just concerned about safety, right? And wanting to keep people safe. And now it's about how people hate seeing panhandling.
0: Well, it was always about that. Yes. I We just lied about it for a little bit. Yeah. It, somehow, look, we've all been told by city attorneys for years, ever since um, I think the first case was from Utah, um, that if you do anything to kick people off of medians or, off, or street corners, you have violated the first amendment rights, you it's know, if, yeah. and this, I mean, this is a, this is actually kind of a deal that maybe this Supreme court would reverse, but I don't, I don't really see it. Like this is a, this is an opinion that, w- that had, w- may have been unanimous. Like uh, this is, this is a real first amendment law. And so how he could have come up with the idea that the median standing ordinance was going to be constitutional. I, I, I don't know. That's the
1: thing that they, in theory, a city attorney should be like the most, uh, Scared of with any kind of litigation altogether, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which I would, when I would get frustrated, mine was always with, was to say, well, if the way that we want to do this is not legal in your interpretation, how can I we do that and make it legal, right? But oftentimes they want to sit in the way of, it and
0: allow you it know, to. Uh, Dwayne Carraway. Um, I'm still extremely mad at Dwayne Carraway. Um, he. He did a lot of things that screwed up stuff for me. And now when I look back, I realize that he was doing those things for money. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not, you know, it's it's just none of us are all bad or all good. And one day when um, it was not Chris Caso, it was another assistant city attorney was giving uh, Dwayne some confusing and frustrating advice. He said, hang on a minute he said whatever this guy's name was you're the lawyer figure it out you know and then I was like i had this moment where i'm like yeah i've been a lawyer for a long time and that is the job yeah. it's it's figure it out figure it out and yeah. if you, and if there's really a reason why it can't be figured out and why there is no other way to do it then you just push back as hard as you need to yeah but yeah figure it out is really what people want um you know i think the most proximate thing that got queso pardon me queso really in trouble is the council realized that this poker room thing had spun out of control and that they had never been asked they had simply never been asked and when you're if you've ever been in the situation where you've employed a lawyer actually i know you've been in this situation yeah the listener may or may not have ever been in a situation where they've employed a lawyer i I hope for their sake no um, if that person were to do something meaningful in your case without your permission or knowledge you'd lose it yeah that not person great. gets fired that's that great yes um, and so this is really I mean there is really a there's a there's a hubris story here um, the lawyers are not hired to make ultimate decisions on clients' important legal matters and move on them without buy-in from the client. You know, you're a, you're a pure agent as a lawyer. You have to comply with ethical duties that no client can ask you to bend. But beyond that, you're there to serve their interests. And I think they, I think they really felt that there was, again, I'm guessing, I'm going from the statements of a few of them which do not contain confidential information, I think that they all kind of came to the conclusion <clears throat> that they had not received dispassionate legal advice from somebody who who really respected their wishes.
1: Well, and that's a great segue into the sort of the, the other action that council took this week related to the poker rooms where they approved $550,000 to be spent in legal fees uh, in two different lawsuits related to um, the city's sort of attempt to shut them down. So 300000 of which is going to... One firm who's representing Andrew Espinosa, who is fighting to uphold the city's decision to revoke those certificates of occupancy. And then $250,000 is going to another firm who is representing the city's Board of Adjustment, um, which last year overturned both of those revocations and Espinosa is suing the board and the businesses, which is never a great thing when you have different entities in the city suing one another, not great.
0: Especially when the city attorney is conflicted from representing either one, so yeah, you're paying legal bills, legal bills on help. both
1: sides. Not, that's not a good situation to be in. Um, and it, it's important to note, it's paying for legal work that's already happened, right? So nothing for future litigation. But, either. but
0: here's here's the really frustrating thing. Andrew Espinosa is the city's building official. I've not spoken to Mr. Espinosa, he's new. Um, but I knew his predecessor, who was the previous plaintiff before Mr. Espinosa replaced him. And <clears throat> they don't care. They don't, they really do not care whether we have poker rooms or not poker rooms. What they were doing was following the city attorney's advice.
1: Yeah, not great.
0: So that, that's part of the frustration there is nobody's been asked anything other than the city attorney.
1: It seems like uh, there are upcoming appeals work. So Judge Moyer, right, ruled in November in favor of the city, saying the city had the authority to do that. Uh, That has been appealed to the Fifth District Well, he he ruled
0: two things, that they had the authority, but also that um, poker rooms violated the Penal Code's prohibition on gambling. And it's the second part where he's going to get overturned. In my humble opinion, uh, we know that on occasion, lawyers and judges listen to this podcast and please understand... This is simply my back of the napkin math and I'm not saying anybody's right or anybody's wrong. It's just what I anticipate. Um, So
1: the other thing that they had said from that was council was directing city staff to separately come up with options that would allow the city um, to allow the sites to be used as private clubs. Um, But it doesn't seem like they have Uh, when this is from over to Bailey, not immediately clear when the first draft of the possible ordinance would be presented to council, but it could include a clause with a recommended minimum difference to be uh, from residential neighborhoods. So it seems like the big concern around this stemmed from some neighborhood nearby one of the poker houses who was mad about having a poker house around the corner.
0: North Dallas Neighborhood Association, their president was quoted in the story um they uh they're very powerful they're very well organized and generally they're on the right side of history on this particular issue they blocked the reuse of the long dead three fork steakhouse space on the toll road mm-hmm. and they essentially have have ensured that it will remain vacant for another 10 years um so enjoy your vagrants Over north dallas neighborhood association
1: <laughs> That just is, yeah, I, uh, well, and when this came down in the summer, I remember at the time, you know, we talked about it as seeming to be this really weird, almost like puritanical bent that the city was on with regard to the poker clubs and the sexually oriented businesses in ways that just seemed to not be really helpful and, and really questionable as to what interest regulating them is furthering other than to satiate some minority of people who are really offended by people playing poker or going to a strip club.
0: I have some relevant gossip, oh, please, from a former employee of Chris Queso. Ooh. She accuses him of being a trumper. <gasps> now, I wasn't aware that trumpers were opposed to gambling. I would have thought maybe the opposite, that they be in favor. Yeah. Uh, her her general allegation was that moralistic. Well, if anything cre- we
1: know about Donald Trump, strict adherence to a very fine moral code. I mean, that's
0: If anybody's known for consistency and uh, clarity. Donald
1: Trump, chief among those. Yes, yes. Paragon of virtue Mm -hmm. and all things good. A man who did go bankrupt running a casino, which should never, absolutely never happen. How? (laughs) Uh, But he is a very stable financial financial genius. Anyway,
0: her basic allegation was that he was very prone to moralistic crusades, which I think is sort of borne out by the record. These sorts of things,
1: yeah. Uh, It seems like Chad West, uh, who we've talked about a lot, um, was sort of a good broker of peace uh, for our time in this situation.
0: This is 100% a Chad West joint. And the other person who deserves credit for this is Tammy Palomino, the city's new interim city attorney, because uh, before this became a moralistic crusade, back in the days when we were issuing certificates of occupancy to poker rooms, uh, Ms. Palomino was the city's point person on this, at least with regard to my client. And uh, she has been, the, the idea of making these things private clubs originates with Tammy Palomino. Um, so uh, a council member who seems to get things done, works with an attorney who has a good idea and also isn't on a moralistic crusade and suddenly it looks like a new day a
1: new day yeah well an important I know from the article chad uh had cited that the texas card house had provided 1.1 million dollars in tax revenue uh, to the city um which would seem to be very much against
0: Not quite to the city. Yeah. Total. Or I guess up to
1: all taxing entities. Yeah. But still important, right? Very important. Uh, Very important. Especially when we talk about being, you know, the best place in America for business. Mm -hmm. Unless you're Dallas Cothram and then it's the worst place in America to do business because the liberals. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's how many jobs are there in Highland Park? Just kind of interested in that number. Yeah.
1: Um. So that's the the poker rooms. Anything on the city attorney or poker rooms that you have else, Philip?
0: No, I think we've. <clears throat> pardon me. I think we've hit it. Um, this uh, the the the. So what's going to happen, just from a technical standpoint? What Chad and the city attorney are proposing is that the the poker the the categorization of uh, use under the zoning code for poker rooms be directed to the city plant commission, and it's specifically, it's Zoning Ordinance Advisory Committee. Um, that committee has a long list of things to look at, and this will not go to the top of it. So for the next, I would say two years, what you, I think you can count on, assuming the fifth court doesn't make it illegal to have poker rooms, and I, I really, I don't know, if somebody wants to come bet me money, I am I probably am an easy mark because I really think they're going to say this is, this is legal. Um, but assuming they don't make it illegal, I think the city of Dallas will be in the business in the next couple of years of continuing to issue COs under the old um, regulatory regime where these things had to have a specific use permit, but otherwise we're allowable in a, a broad variety of commercial zoning.
1: And it seems like the way, the main way that they differentiate the business they do, at least in my understanding of it, right, is that unlike a casino where the house takes a cut of it, people are just paying an entrance fee to play poker to the facility, right? That's the revenue that they generate so by if drinks I'm, or whatever and people paying to, to get in the door.
0: If I'm a gambler and I'm going to one of these places, I am paying money um, in three different ways. Um, I am paying money. Well, I'm only paying money to the venue in two ways. One is a membership fee, yeah. and the other is whatever I eat and yeah, drink. Food and beverages, yeah. Um, I may be tipping the dealer, and this was the crux that, that of the argument, right? Is Chris Caso's argument is that tips to the dealer yes. somehow constituted profit to the operator, which that would violate the Fair Labor Standards Act. Uh, the federal Fair Labor Standards Mm -hmm. Act that would be that's called wage theft Um, and it's just it's not he he was going out of his way to misread the penal code in my opinion Um, and it it did it smacked of moral crusade and we know that because Austin and San Antonio and Houston Houston, have have nicely operating card rooms and you know interesting Um, okay what else was on the docket for the week um, there's a an affordable housing story that's not from this week, but I didn't know about it because nobody reported on it. And it's the biggest affordable housing story of 2022. Do you remember me complaining bitterly multiple times on this show about how this great idea that we'd included in the housing comprehensive housing policy had never been implemented? Yes. The sublease program? Yes. This is the idea where the city was going to rent some apartments and put voucher holders in the apartments and then be the guarantor of the the security of the apartment yes. as well as throw in a small subsidy on top of whatever the voucher reimbursement provided. Council voted in December, although it may have been November, I can't find it on the agenda, um, but Paul Ridley assures me it happened to Uh, implement and fund the program. Um, The reason this is so important is because at any given time in Dallas, Texas, uh, you may have anywhere between 500 and 1500 people holding housing choice vouchers. This is what we used to call section eight. It's been updated and modernized. And now what you get if you qualify for the program, And to qualify, you have to be very, very low income. Most people are either exiting homelessness, dealing with a disability that prevents them from working, um, all the things that make you really poor. And if you apply and get one of these things, then you're given a voucher that can be used theoretically anywhere that anyone will accept it. Meaning that someone who is poor in an area of concentrated poverty could use that voucher to have an apartment in North Dallas. As a practical matter, the state of Texas won't let us require landlords to take them. So nobody does, uh, even though the reimbursement rates are set by zip code and in a lot of cases are pretty close to market rate. So this idea of subleasing and providing a very small uh, kicker to the landlord probably will work. And it could be the fastest, cheapest way to get somewhere between 500 and 1,500 families into stable supportive housing. And the theory of these vouchers is that once you're in a a living situation where you're not fearing for your fucking safety every day, Mm -hmm. you probably get a job that's good enough to pay for your own goddamn apartment and you can let us use our voucher on somebody else. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. That's a big win. It's a huge win. It's a big win. And here's the story about the story. It's literally the biggest affordable housing story of 2022, and not one word was written about it. This is a
1: Loserville exclusive. We should have teased it with we, that. Yeah, we, we, really sh- we should have gone
0: with this first or last <laughs> or Loserville something. Exclusive.
1: Yeah, we, yeah, we, that's on our marketing team to help us to, to push our, our content more.
0: Well, you and I have spent... Uh, a lot of our professional time becoming politically savvy and neither one of us is actually a professional journalist yes, or, yeah, or no, marketing person marketers.
1: yeah the other interesting story on um the home front or affordable housing front um which and we had not talked about this before but did you see Kara's uh op-ed in the morning news i did was that not the i mean and i feel like i feel part of me i feel bad we, yeah, we you know trash Kara's opinions a lot if she wants to come on Loserville, we'd love to have her as a guest because I would like to unpack a lot of the things that she says. But her recent op-ed in the Dallas Morning News this week was basically talking about how much work one she has done on uh, the homeless front, which to her credit, she has done a lot or has been involved in lots of things, which is good, right? Um, But her sort of recent take is basically that the city is doing a really good job of being compassionate towards homeless people, but we're doing not enough to be enforcers of the law, which. I take it to mean we should just round people up and put them
0: in our overcrowded jail. Is that how you read it? It's so grim. I, I mean, I. For one thing, she says the city is doing a good job of being compassionate toward the homeless. We're still doing periodic sweeps of homeless encampments. Yeah. Like, how is that compassionate? Yeah. That's like the opposite. I have I look when you see a homeless person, what you're seeing. Is a lack of human compassion in our society. Yeah. That is a that is a visible representation of how much we don't love each other enough. Yeah. you know, and yeah. So for her to say that, like, this is the thing. Um, everybody says, look, we have to put resources toward homelessness so that the homeless can get back on their feet, and and we can we can end the scourge of homelessness okay, well, it's 10 times more complicated than that to start with, but the idea of more resources to make this better, that's the thing where it never happens. Yeah, we, or don't, act- it, yeah, we don't actually mean that. Or right? if it does happen, it goes into pointless drug rehabilitation programs and things that do not help people whose main root cause problem is being homeless. You know, giving somebody who has no place to live drug counseling is just a form of cruelty that like you're treating the symptom rather than the problem. Dante Dante didn't think of this. Yeah. This is a, this is a ring of hell that hasn't been described yet. Um, and so I, I just, I don't know. And so yes, Kara has been involved for many years in Dallas's approach to homelessness and homelessness during the period of time when she has been involved has gotten worse in part because she supports, um, plans and goals and ideologies and budgets most importantly budgets that do not fix the problem Um, and uh, she uh, and in her defense she would if she were here she would say I have tried to get budget increases and that is 100% true but she also is a person who does not believe in the housing first approach which the right now has this narrative that the housing first approach has been tried in all these places and has failed, and they're saying that like L.A. has done housing first. L.A. has never ever done housing first. L.A. barely has housing for the homeless. Like it, there's none of that. The but they're all, trying
1: now. They're We've trying. Got a good mayor. She seems, Se- to, be seems
0: to be at least doing saying the right things. Well, and saying them often enough that it seems like she's serious. Yes. Um, but the only place this has been actually tried is Finland. And then that's where it worked. And so that's why people yeah, are pushing it. You can't it. have
1: Scandinavian. I, this is, <laughs> we're the chief uh, pushers of Scandinavian uh, political solutions. No, so we're not reasonable. even close.
0: We're not even <laughs> close. Um, the the Matt and Elizabeth yeah, Bruni, They're big, yeah, they're big yeah, on it. Yeah. We may be number two. <laughs> We're number two in the United States. I suspect there are some Nordic podcasts that are full of these (laughs) ideas. I don't know. I I don't speak any of those languages, Uh, but it's just, it's this divide between, so you can get everybody to say housing first, but it's when you come to the point of housing first, because housing first basically says, okay, whatever else help you need, we'll try to get you in the future. We don't have it right here. There's no drug counselor outside your door. Um, we're not necessarily even giving you food. Um, we're not doing that much for you, other than here's a small place to live
1: for a, and at times a and, night, right? I mean, that's the sort of the mm-hmm. cycle, right? Is this sort of
0: like and if you if you trash it, there maybe we have some kind of you know um, there there may be repercussions from that, whatever. But the point is, you give them the door code. They don't put keys on these things um and you hope that the person sleeping indoors in a place that is reasonably supportive of human life is going to be able to sort through some of his or her own problems or more importantly a family's own problems and that they get to keep their pet and they get to keep their kids with them and all the stuff that we don't do here and even here where you have people who devote enormous amounts of time and their own resources and their thoughts to the homeless. There comes this point when the idea is you've got to give a resource to a homeless person where they're like, Oh, but they're going to fucking waste it. Mm. They're going to, they're going to spend it on drugs. They're going to do all that. So yes, in Finland, they hundred percent have had people who go into this supportive housing for homeless people who then take drugs in there. And, you know, is it still better than them taking drugs in an unsheltered condition? I would say probably yes, but it really, there's, we, we, we are a nation that is still true to its founders and our founders were Puritans.
1: Yeah. 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 Which is uh, the whole thing. I just, it was really weird to read. And, you know, this talk of enforcement at a time when, you know, there's another article this week about how. Uh, you know, the, the Dallas County jail is nearing its capacity. There are all kinds of problems that can ensue uh, circumstances from the state if we reach capacity, despite the fact that the state isn't helping matters either, right? By being able to quickly move quickly enough and moving folks from the jail into different health facilities, um, and that we think we're going to somehow solve homelessness by putting more people into jail, it's just preposterous. I mean, I don't know how anyone with a straight face can say that that would make anything any better other than, which we've talked about all the time, they just don't want to see homeless people ever, right? They don't actually want to do anything that would help people become home less or have a home, right? We don't want to provide real economic uh, opportunities for folks. We don't want to be able to take into the sacred cow of the city budget, which budgets are statements of... Of priorities, right, and we have to say, well, we need to spend half of it on public safety. You'd have to cut into that pie, right, to be able to put the capital investments that are needed to make a meaningful difference for folks. We don't want to do that. So what they really are saying is, we just don't want to see homeless people. Period, right? Uh, Because that's what they have in Austin, right? That's our you you just throw Austin in as the punching bag. Um, But there's just nothing. There no good would come from what she's proposing, right? Obviously no good. Other than, again, unless your chief aim is just that you don't want to see homeless people at all. Which, if that's the case, then I would rather they just say that.
0: Well, I mean, they can't bring themselves to say that, you know, because it's not party talk. Um, yeah. And even in this era of Trump, um, there are things that, that certain good people simply don't say. Um, but... You know, you're right. The thing is they don't want to ever see it. And the, but the reason they don't want to see it is the important psychological consideration. It's, you have your life, whatever it is. Um, it's probably, you know, whether you're satisfied with it or dissatisfied with it, you have some kind of stable deal where you support yourself and you're, you're in a situation where you don't need constant nannying by somebody to, to be quote unquote successful. I mean, that, define that for yourself. Yeah. I, I don't really care. Um, I You know, I know people who have a billion dollars and are miserable. Um, and I know people who go work hard every day for not a lot of money and are happy. And so you define it for yourself, whatever. But the thing is, if you've been able to achieve whatever that is in this society, then what you want to believe is your skill, your acumen, your work ethic, your whatever, you're, you're playing by the rules, you're whatever, is what produced your success. There are lots of reasons to criticize that assumption. That's not this episode, but that's how you feel about the society is you feel like the society is virtuous and therefore the virtue of participating in the society has rewarded you with this, these things. And so when you see something that is a clear sign of the society fucking crumbling under your feet, it's not comfortable. It is not comfortable and we've been led to believe by a lot of the people in positions like Kara's that really meaningfully fixing it is basically impossible um the the thing that she's you know proposing i don't think she believes that will meaningfully reduce homelessness Mm. i I could be wrong if she wants to come on here and say otherwise then she could explain that to us how being processed through loose stare it helps you with homelessness yeah (laughs) um but you know that's the I think that's the in, internal psychological thing that's going on. But this this uh, honestly, there among people who are critical of how we handle homelessness, and unfortunately, there's a there's a group of these people who are the people who think we've tried housing first and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like 100% congratulating them. But the people who um, Uh, humorously taunt our homelessness efforts as um, growing the homeless industrial complex.
1: Mm.
0: They're not entirely wrong. The approaches that we've taken and the money we've spent, much of it has been wasted or has enriched people who, even if they are really great people, had bad or ineffective ideas. There is no reason to let that cause us to believe that homelessness is an intractable problem that can never be solved. But that is the effect of of what happens when a supposedly well-meaning person takes a bunch of money and doesn't make anything better. Right?
1: That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. But a great way to fight homelessness in Dallas is by having Universal Studios come here instead of Frisco.
0: And putting it in a place where it will crowd out the greatest affordable housing opportunity in Maybe the history of Dallas?
1: What was the, uh, so the uh, folks that didn't see that, so there was a big announcement from Universal Studios last week that they are going to open up a new park aimed towards kids in North Texas. Uh, and it's going in Frisco. And our esteemed mayor, in his great wisdom, um, basically was like, well, why would they put it in Frisco when they could put it in Dallas to support his uh, big Dallas energy, uh, which you can go to the website now. But I don't know
0: if you saw that. We have. Big- I saw that we now have that uh, website. <laughs> but Dallas our f- friend of Loserville, our Fort Worth expert, Bud Kennedy, sort of incredulously tweeted at the mayor and got some classic Eric uh, rudeness. Very shocking.
1: Uh, but his solution, right, is that they should have Universal Studios be here. And it's at the Hensley Field site that we were talking about on the last episode. Yeah.
0: And full disclosure, I'm going to do my dead level best to be part of a multidisciplinary team that is the lead developer on Hensley Field. So I it's a little bit of a sensitive topic for me. Yeah. I have, an, I have a vision for Hensley Field that I think you're going to really like. Um, it doesn't
1: include Universal Studios being it, there.
0: It, I, no. Um, unless they can figure out how to put universal studios in about a 50,000 square foot footprint. Space no, it's not. not. It's, I don't want it to displace people who need housing and jobs. Um, now, But all maybe, the character
1: actors that universal, I mean, you know, you're talking a huge economic development. I mean, well, the and people what,
0: that play Harry Potter, Philip, I mean. And what if the rides were built on top of affordable housing? <laughs> like, what What if Universal Studios was a partner in yeah. this live-work-play environment? Yeah. You, be, that you, would be something. You, you work in a place where people play so that you can live underneath their roller coaster. Yeah. How about that?
1: That sounds like a great idea.
0: It sounds like a very Dallas <laughs> approach.
1: <laughs> Maybe we put a big fountain by it,
0: too. So, I think I sent you on this topic a parenthetical that said Rangers. Yes. So, you saw that he was also... Again, making fun of the Rangers for playing in Arlington. There was a great gra- graph that some graphic artist put out last week about the distance from the center of town to the ballpark of all of the MLB franchises. And the Rangers are so much farther from a population center than any other team. And Eric was making fun of them. And listen, we need to highlight when we are praising Eric... He's dead fucking right. Yeah. Like they are doing it wrong. There's a reason they're doing it wrong. It's very hard to find a city the size of Arlington dumb enough to spend that much money. But yeah, they would, They would. there is no question that the Rangers on a long-term Arlington, basis- Arlington, the American
1: dream city. Isn't that their, uh, that's their moniker, I think. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Have you been there? <laughs> I try to go there as little as, as Zeke said, when they asked him why he didn't... Oh, that was lovely. It was a great line. When they asked Zeke why he didn't go to the suite that Micah had at the Rangers game, and Zeke said, I don't go to Arlington unless
0: I have to. So another another point in my brief yeah. about maybe Zeke isn't the dumb one. Yeah, that's... Well, yeah. I don't go to
1: Arlington unless I have
0: to. I was like, uh, yeah, hell yeah, Zeke. I agree. So... Um, but this is the reason I combine those two together is because I think I see something that our mayor is doing. Our mayor sees big shiny objects and says, why don't you move that big shiny object to Dallas? What, I mean, what, what are you thinking about? You might as well move this big shiny object to Dallas with our big dick energy. And, uh, I think he knows there's really no chance that that's actually a viable discourse. Um, but it's something to where it looks like he's fighting for Dallas when, in fact, all he's done is tweet. And, uh, you know.
1: And that ship kind of sailed with the Rangers and the Cowboys, right? They're not coming to Dallas.
0: Not soon. Not anytime soon. Not soon. And you would you would have to have more, um, you'd have to have ownership that had a longer-term view and kind of a bigger view of what they could do with a, uh, I, I have you ever been to Pittsburgh? Uh-huh. As an Indiana guy, I assume yes. maybe you've taken trips. Yeah. Pittsburgh's to Pittsburgh. great. Yeah. Okay, Pittsburgh is much smaller than Dallas. They're all Pit- right there. Pittsburgh is less than a quarter the size of Dallas. Yeah. Um, but it is a very nice place to be, <clears throat> and all of the venues are walking distance They're from downtown. Right yeah, next it, to a
1: casino <clears throat> that I've donated a lot of money to.
0: <laughs> And, uh, at least two of those venues have no parking whatsoever for the public anyway. And, um, they make it there. Uh, they do great. Yeah. Weird. They do absolutely great there. Um, their it, average attendance is way higher than ours. All, all of the things. And those, that city never agreed to give all the sales tax proceeds to the team, uh, unlike here. So, I don't know, man. It's a, it's just, I can understand when a city says, I'll write you a check for a billion dollars that you go there. Like I'm not criticizing that, but on a long-term basis, like isn't really the the long-term viability of a team, the ability to make the people there feel something. And like, like we talked about at the top of the show, me and this other longtime Cowboys fan, same age, we're both, we're both 50. Like, been, we both, our first memory both from Cowboys is Roger beating the, the Broncos in 78 or 79, whenever that was. And, you know, we're out. We're like out on the team. I don't, that's, I, I don't pretend to be everybody, but I'm more than just me. Like by the time you have an idea, there are many other people, people who've have, had that idea, yeah. I think.
1: And well, almost 30 years of losing has not helped that either. But. No. Uh, in the Cowboys, Cowboys stands. Um, yeah, that's a, I mean a really good theory. Uh, speaking of weird, big Dallas Energy things that Eric Johnson has posted about, um, there's a really good article that uh, Tim Rogers uh, wrote in, in reply to this of uh, the mayor's claim that from this really weird website that da- downtown Dallas is the best place to live in America. Uh, I
0: I'm in the I, I uh, Tim's right. That's my first reaction to this. Tim said, no, it's not. And he, was, he had several reasons why. Um, and Tim doesn't hate downtown. Tim, no, no, and Tim, I don't
1: hate downtown.
0: Tim works downtown. He He's like, and Tim's, a, Tim's as pro-Dallas as you can be in his job. You know, it's not like he's not a hater or anything like that. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I'm, I am the only city council member in the history of Dallas at in the modern era um, back when there was only downtown it is true that the council members lived downtown but in the modern era mm. I'm the only person who has lived downtown while serving on the Dallas City Council oh. um, and it, it is a it is a special neighborhood to me I love it very much um, when I'm old and doddering and need flat surfaces to walk on I think I probably will be downtown where an elevator will whisk me to my door rather than me having to walk up any stairs or whatever. Um, I love it. It has this esprit de corps that I think you don't find in a lot of neighborhoods because people down there see it as a project. They Mm -hmm. see it as not the best place in the world to live. They see it as a place that could be better and has potential and all that stuff. And it's made huge
1: strides, right? I mean, for all, yeah.
0: When I moved to Dallas, there were 200 downtown residents. That's not a lot. Today they're fifteen thousand, or eighty-eight, according to the article that the mayor said. Eighty-eight, yeah. Yeah. What? (laughs) What? I'll tell you where that number comes from.
1: Deep elm plus the it includes plus
0: and uptown and uptown, right? Yeah, yeah. And even then, the number's still wrong. (laughs) it's It's uh, very, it's very frustrating. uh, Um, So the uh, I, I don't know. I have a difficult time, like you know, Tim sent me a story about the 7-Eleven closing at mm. the corner of uh, Harwood and Commerce. And that was my 7-Eleven. And, mm. and it was horrible. It was a terrible place and it deserves to be closed. But <laughs>
1: I, uh, So when I was moving here uh, and having to do my apartment search uh, in COVID times. Uh, my a really good friend who is from Dallas lives in an apartment building downtown. Uh, and I had tried to live in an apartment building downtown, but the people, uh, that were running the agency, the rental property just never returned any time that I tried to reach out to them. And I'm I, like, I I'm think not going to
0: say the name of this you complex, can, yeah. but I'm pretty sure I could guess yeah, because it's guess. been it's been kicked enough, and I think it has new management. Probably,
1: so. but it was i would be like this is I'm like well, and not to mention if I'm trying to give you money and you don't return my call, what happens
0: when something breaks? Exactly. Right so and by the way if it's who i'm thinking of that building a lot of stuff breaks (laughs) yeah yeah Uh,
1: so i i could have been a downtown resident as well but not the best downtown america but everybody's coming to dallas there was an interesting thing that i had sent to you that the mayor had i think retweeted this week of someone who was saying that they were having dinner with big property developers in dallas and we're talking about the magic of how all of these major cities in america are losing population but that dallas is growing in population and I said it to Philip, and was like, except Dallas's population is not growing.
0: It's it grew in the last, it grew, but it, it grew small in the last numbers, right? You no, know. it grew nicely in the last census uh, <clears throat> period, twenty ten to twenty twenty. Yeah. had decent growth, but in the period since twenty twenty, it's, it's been flat. Flat. Yeah, um, and it was actually negative at one point in twenty twenty one. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's a weird thing. And so I I think I responded that yeah. they must have meant Frisco, Frisco when they said Dallas. But the other thing that I started thinking about is, what dinner was this?
1: Mm. Now that I don't know.
0: Well, I know who the big developers are who are based in Dallas, and they didn't go to any dinner like that. I suspect mm. these are out-of-town developers mm. who see Frisco as the the opportunity here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which could make sense. And again, yeah, trashing all the people that are leaving the cities. I mean, that's the the part that I found interesting.
0: I don't know. Yeah. It's just, uh, there's, it's really hard to cover real estate because there's no transparency with developers with uh, uh, much of anything. And there, you know, all these people who deal with real estate have Kind of public relations um, agendas that they're pushing, and so you get on an all. And the, the Dallas Morning News is famously given up on trying to sort it all out, and they just transcribe whatever press release that they're sent. You know, and it. I laugh at it, and I I, I poke fun at Steve Brown, the laziest fucking man in America. Um, but uh it, it, it's a it's a rational response to being constantly bullshitted by people who bullshit for a living well wait
1: until uh chat uh, gpt is writing the real estate stories <laughs> in morning.
0: by that time it will will have replaced my profession That's, so i have nothing to worry about i'm for attorneys certain that i will be soil and green by then <laughs>
1: Um, Let's see, other things we had on the docket. You had an apology note you wanted to have for Paula.
0: Um, This is embarrassing. Um, We talked about Paula in relationship to our election preview. She still doesn't have an opponent. Uh, And what I should have said last episode is she shouldn't have an opponent because she beat the tar out of these whack jobs and everybody says nice things about her and she's voting right i should have mentioned all those things kind of in in a row yeah. and said loserville's official opinion is nobody run against paula yeah we like paula um but what i threw in was something that i believed believed past tense which is that she was a republican growing up and and is like slowly coming out of that and there are very many people kind of in her um uh age bracket in you know background whatever who are in that position but the reason i thought that and i was thinking about this for a while because paula texted me i was like what the hell (laughs) and she's like no i'm a lifelong democrat the reason i thought that is because somebody i know who doesn't like paula and it's one of two people i can't remember who it was i think said that about her to be mean Mm -hmm. because and she would have to admit this. She she was more conservative at one point, but so was I. So were a lot of people. Yeah. And she's like, she's not that anymore. So, we, Loserville uh, issues an unequivocal retraction. apology and retraction to and an Paula Blackman. Paula and we Yes, early endorsement. It doesn't matter if you're really cool in D nine, and you still have. Um, oh man, you got like three weeks to to run against her. Just don't do it.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. The last school board uh, or race uh, that
0: you had had a note on was the district two school board race in DISD. No one's paying attention to this. Um, We'll have more on this in future episodes, but my theory of the municipal election for May of 2023 is that there are a bunch of reasons why there's gonna be no turnout and no one gives a crap about this election. I'm not happy about that, but it is starting to become my opinion. But the DISD District 2 race is extremely important. Um, District 2 in DISD contains some of the best schools in the system. Um, It is, pardon me, to describe it geographically, oh wait, I need more scotch, clearly. (laughs) To describe it geographically and politically, It is a, an amalgam of part of Preston Hollow and stretching over through my part of East Dallas, but also then taking in Lakewood. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a barbell. It's red on one end and red on the other and blue in the middle. Um, and if you have a normal election where everybody turns out, it's more blue than red. It's close, but it's more blue than red. <clears throat> if you have a runoff, the turnout kind of flips just enough so that the, the red person wins. And that's how Dustin Marshall has maintained this seat for so long. His first race, he would have been, he, he might not have, uh, he definitely wouldn't have won the runoff if they'd had the same turnout. Like that you can just tell from the kind of blue turnout in the general And then in his subsequent elections, every time somehow he's managed to have at least one more than one opponent. Mm. Um, There are allegations that in at least one instance, he encouraged the third person to sign up. I don't know if that's true or not, but the third person certainly was not a credible candidate. Um, And at one point appeared to quit the race. Um, So I don't know. I think the seat that should have been blue a long time ago and for... For everybody's ease of reference and so nobody like punches their dash it's a nonpartisan seat but it is true that Dustin Marshall is a Republican and it is true that he's beaten a bunch of Democrats Um, I think it should be the the reverse because I don't like his decision-making and that's all public record so um, anyway he's quitting Uh, don't blame him it's a terrible job and it's gotten worse in the last few years Um, so you know, God bless him. He, whatever you want to say about his decision-making, the guy served, he did the job, he worked hard. All of those things are true of the guy and she, he should have appreciation for his service, but it's an open seat. And so now people should be talking about this race because frankly, it's more exciting than the other than any other potential race in the same geographic area. Cause as we've discussed on this podcast, there's not going to be a really strongly contested race in the rest of that area. So I don't know. There are a bunch of names floating around. Jimmy Tran
1: is officially running. Is officially
0: running. He may be the only one.
1: He's the only one officially declared so far.
0: Um, Jimmy appeared in a picture on his Facebook page today with Willis Johnson, who, um, I don't understand this, but still has a lot of like public uh, contracts for consulting work. Um, also was implicated in Waywise and killing the uh, inland port and a scheme to funnel all of the um, minority uh, black contractor contracts through him to get to Mayor uh, Leppert back in the day. Um, I just don't understand how people still want to take a picture with that guy. But hey, you do it's you. Jimmy's choice. Uh, Jimmy appears to be a Republican. I, again, I don't think that's a good match for the district. Um, we've had, Melissa and I have had a couple of people talk to us about running. Um, one who appears to be out now, which I don't understand because he kind of said he was in. Wade Johns. Um, Wade, if you hear this and you want to clear this up, feel free to come on Blueserville, you have free airtime. Wade is a good friend and a principal in Alamo, Manhattan, which is a terrific developer, one of the better developers in Dallas and just a cool dude, DISD dad, really good guy. Um, My friend, Kevin Melonson, who I met in the year 1992 in San Antonio, Texas, where he visited me at my dorm because he was high school friends with my roommate. Um, And we are not disclosing any of the rest of the details of that (laughs) weekend. But Kevin is a longtime educator, um, Junius Heights guy, really very cool. Um, And then the big rumor has been for a long time that Todd Williams' (coughs) wife was going to run. Um, And I have not met her, don't know her at all. Um, but that would be very interesting. Um, I don't, I don't know what to say about that positive or negative, not knowing her, I would want to hear from her before I said anything. Uh, don't like Todd. Todd knows why. Um, but that doesn't mean that needs to slop over onto his wife. But anyway, that's to me, it's an interesting race because I just think that for, so it's, it's very strange with these small races with no turnout, you get people representing an area that don't appear to match the voters in any way and i think that's been the case for like 12 years in this district
1: it'd be inter- definitely interesting to follow in in uh what a couple months uh and city count well uh, people deadline to file is february 17th I think so, coming up Is that right coming up soon uh, i check uh the uh, campaign treasurer filings on the city's website every now and then to see what's uh, going on out there in the world nothing too much interesting very interesting to report so far
0: well and uh we will have chad west on next week um when we will have a clearer picture of who's really filing um to talk about elections to talk about his record to talk about district one issues uh there are a lot actually there's there's a ton of stuff it's funny i was talking to him about his platform and there's a ton of stuff that's important that we really haven't even covered and we like, I don't think we miss a lot of detail. Yeah. Hopefully, we fact, like to think that anyway, yeah. I mean, I think probably we tend toward boring people rather than missing something. Missing
1: something. As Dallas is leading
0: local politics podcast. <laughs> leading that huge field. <laughs> well, all right, my friend. Um, longtime listeners will have noticed that I'm trying to put a bed over the end of the podcast that is our favorite Fishbone song Everyday Sunshine Just trying to end on a positive Just, Well yeah,
1: sometimes we need death
0: Good to see you I wish every day the sun would shine Take me to another place in my life Everything.